0: Rattled and Shook is released weekly every Thursday and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to listen ad free, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus episodes. For more information, check out the show notes. Now, enjoy the episode.
1: And now, presenting Rattled and Shook.
0: I'm April. And I'm Meredith. And this is Rattled and Shook, a podcast where we tune into scary stories and discuss our deepest, darkest fears, but in a fun way. Okay. So, so I wanted to talk to you about have you seen the Apple Vision Pros? Uh, I haven't. I haven't. No. Well, if you don't know about Apple Vision Pro, it's like a virtual reality headset that just came out from Apple, and it looks insane. So basically... I'm looking up an image. Yeah, look it up while we're talking. It looks like, you know, VR headset, like the Oculus or whatever, if you've ever done a virtual reality headset. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can kind of... What I understand, you can like... Oh, it's very sleek. It's very sleek. But you can like control the immersion level. So like if you're doing virtual reality or if you're doing augmented reality, VR is... Where you're totally in a different world, like you're not seeing your actual surroundings, your actual physical surroundings. Mm-hmm. But augmented reality is when you're seeing a mixture of your physical surroundings and, um, you know, virtual elements that are combined with them. Yeah. Like basically, with the Vision Pro, you could be using uh, your laptop, but you could like blow your screen up really huge. Like you could control that and like place it in a room and leave it there. The options look wild. I'm honestly not doing a great job describing it, even though I'm like, okay, here's the future. Here it comes. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the
2: metaverse, it sounds like what they were trying to do with the metaverse like two years ago. And then I'm not sure what happened with that. I think it may have uh, imploded.
0: I think it's all still coming. I think like this, you know, the hardware and the concepts are all kind of finally catching up. Mm -hmm. But my friend actually got one of these Vision Pros shout out to ravine have you tried it no unfortunately no. he doesn't live here but he's been sending me like videos and he's been telling me about it and giving me updates since he got it mm-hmm. but i think the reason i wanted to bring it up to you is because i'm thinking about it in terms of like horror uh-huh. and how these things will be used for horror one day
2: yeah i mean it sounds like a horror
0: movie It's an episode of black mirror just
2: waiting to happen <laughs> yeah we could get very dystopian with this yes you know
0: Yes. But I even mean like creatively using these kinds of things for horror. Like you could put the Babadook, like you could put a monster in the corner of your own physical space. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about the way that like eventually people could market horror movies to people that use these kinds of things. Mm. I just know that if I saw anything from a horror like movie trailer actually in my space, yeah, I can't, that would be incredibly effective marketing um and scar me for life. It would scar me for life.
2: <laughs> yeah, it kind of sounds like my nightmare and my dream all yeah. rolled into one. <laughs> yeah. You know, like watching something in 2D is very different from putting a headset on yourself and not being able to escape. Yes. Very intense. But as a way to create new um, like storytelling experiences, it, it does sound pretty great. Yeah. And I do love VR experiences. Like
0: I love immersion. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be used really creatively in that way. Like I I'm the experiences I'm sure will only get better and better. Mm-hmm. This is just like how people are going to use the internet eventually. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I guess, you know, here comes the existential dread.
0: <laughs> yeah, when we talk about tech, you're like very into the existential dread of it all.
2: The uh the singularity of it all. I could just see this, you know, go in the way of Wally where we don't move, we don't leave our couch, because everything is at our fingertips.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna say, currently right now, how much are you and I leaving our couches? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Not very much. Yeah, we're already there. It could always get worse. <laughs> What's 10% more? That's, that's
2: the difference between being on your couch and fusing to your couch. <laughs>
0: true, true. Anyway, I just wanted to bring this up because... We've got a couple stories in this episode that are, I guess, kind of about seeing things, scary visions. Yes. How would you categorize them? Nighttime entities? Yeah. Some uh, night owl ghosts? Scary VR without the goggles, basically. Let's let's see tech get there, huh? No, no thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get into the first story then. Let's do it.
1: When I was a young girl, I shared a room with my little sister. We lived in a neighborhood on a dangerous side of town. My grandparents bought the place back when it was an up-and-coming area. Sometimes I would hear noises and see things in the house. There was this one room in the house that was like a room made from a garage where we kept the washer and dryer. I hated going in there. I felt like I was always being watched, Like, like something wanted to hurt me. I grew up in a very conservative and religious home. I would try to tell my parents about these feelings and they would brush it off. Oh, it's just your imagination. Just pray and you'll feel better. Those kind of things. But then one night, a man showed up in my room. He was older, white hair, thin and tall, dressed in a whitish shirt and slacks. He got up close to my bed, I squeezed my eyes closed and pretended to sleep, thinking eventually he would be gone. This began happening nearly every night for years. I was terrified of him. It seemed every time that I would wake up, he would be in my room, staring at me from the edge of my bed. If he didn't notice I was awake, he would stay where he was. But if he saw I was awake, he would get closer and closer to me. I knew my parents wouldn't believe me so I would just lay in bed waiting for him to come. Some nights he would look translucent, almost blue with a dark aura around him. Other nights he looked solid, normal, but always the same look on his face. It felt like he wanted to hurt me. Night after night after night. It got to the point where I would sleep in my parents' room, on the floor, or I would wrap myself up in as many blankets as I could so I would be invisible. I saw him from the ages of seven to 14. I kept this to myself until I was an adult. One day, when I was older, I was talking to my sister who shared the room with me back then. As I was telling her what I saw, her eyes got big and she cut me off and started to describe him. It was exactly what I saw. The clothes, face, how he moved. She told me that he was one of her earliest memories and we're nearly 10 years apart. She was around three or four years old at the time she remembers seeing him. He would come up to her bed and stare at her, reach out to her, and she would lay there trying to sleep. She thought it was just nightmares. We still don't know what he was. Was it a ghost? Or was it a man that would come into the house and watch us sleep? Hmm.
2: Yeah. Another one where they have this experience, they don't talk about it at the time, and then years later they find out they were all experiencing the same thing.
0: Yeah, you know me, I'm skeptical about ghosts in general. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to like, oh, years later, I brought it up and she said, I had the same nightmare. I'm like, maybe you guys just had normal childhood nightmares that seem vaguely the same. I'm just curious how detailed the description was, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there are very interesting biological things that happen that sometimes are just as scary as seeing an entity or something. And then kind
0: of another angle,
2: there are people who, like, they will swear that they've had shared dreams.
0: I've heard of shared dreams. Yeah, that would be crazy. I can't believe that's a real thing.
2: Yeah, it does feel pretty unbelievable. But my friend and her husband had sort of a shared dream experience that I found very
0: compelling. And so by shared dream experience, do you mean that they were dreaming similar or the same things? They're like, oh, I dreamed of you know, a house on a hill at night mm-hmm. or whatever, or are they dreaming with each other in the dreams? Is this the matrix? What
2: level of inception? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to understand, like how far does the shared dream go? Because I do believe in like, oh, you watch the same movie before you go to bed, you have a similar dream. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what we're talking about, right? Or can it be both?
2: I'm sure that's what makes up, you know, 99% of these cases. When it came to my friend, it was something that you know she still questions to this day whether it was a coincidence a shared dream kind of phenomena or if they were both seeing the same entity because she had a dream thought she had woken up from the dream saw something in her room apparently went back to sleep next morning her husband was like i had that dream and then i saw that same thing in the room
0: mm that's weird
2: yeah You know, it was the uh, he completed her sentence type of thing when she brought it up the next day. Cute. Yeah. (laughs) Those in their vows. I promise to uh, share dream the same terrifying entities with you.
0: (laughs) Not in my vows. It's actually very scary and she should tell it on the podcast one time. She should. Well, that's really interesting. And actually, if anyone happens to be a shared dreams expert, please reach out to us. (laughs) I would like to talk to someone about this.
2: Yeah, there's not a ton of info about it unlike sleep paralysis. Sleep is freaky, man. Sleep is a freaky thing.
0: Wish I could relate more, but I have very little sleep paralysis experience, as you know. Mm-hmm. Mine's just been in the form of, I can't move my arm. I can't move my arm.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling me
0: that. <laughs> I can't move my arm, and then being able to move my arm.
2: That's still scary. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It was definitely alarming the first time I felt it. So have you had anything happen to you that was like this? Like this story? The staring ghost? Um. I mean, I've experienced a lot of scary stuff
2: around sleep. I've had hypnagogic hallucinations, sleep paralysis, epilepsy, sleep apnea,
0: <laughs> you know, like... Sorry, you- you're deeply plagued, so you have different buckets. Got it.
2: <laughs> I have so many things, yeah. As far as sleep paralysis, the scariest one, and it's the very first one that ever happened to me, there was no visual hallucination with it, but... It's the most scared I've ever been in my life, probably.
0: Mm. Intriguing.
2: So it was when I first moved to LA, maybe like a few months in, and one night went to sleep. No issues, was sleeping fine at the time. And then I woke up pretty abruptly and I realized that I was laying on my back Mm. and I never sleep on my back.
0: First mistake. (laughs)
2: So I've woken up on my back, and the first thing I notice is that my left arm is raised at sort of a right angle, like I'm hinged at the elbow. And my forearm is upright. And I don't realize in this moment that I can't move it, or that I can't move at all. I don't realize that immediately. And then I start to hear this breathing. And it's coming from the left side of the bed, over the edge of the bed. It's this long, drawn-out breath, and it's growing louder and louder, and I feel like it's getting closer to me. And as it gets louder, I start to feel this tingle crawl up my forearm, as if whatever this is is starting to spread over me, envelop me, I don't know. I felt really exposed and that's when I realized I cannot move and I just start praying. (laughs) I was pretty young, grew up religious and my mind is screaming, this is the devil, I need to pray and I don't know if I'm speaking out loud. I don't know if I'm doing it in my head, I can't remember but then it all just disappears. Breathing gone, everything was gone. It all like went muted. Everything was back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, do that noise again. Yeah. (laughs) It felt like it happened immediately. I sat up in bed, breathing hard. The feeling disappeared from my arm. I was immediately able to move again. The drawn out, evil, devil breath (laughs) disappeared. I was like fully in reality again, almost. Mm -hmm. I was like, I think I was just attacked. You know, I thought I had just undergone like a spiritual attack. And I thought that my praying made it stop. I mean, I was praying and rebuking the devil.
0: So April, (laughs) classic April.
2: I'm always trying to bless Meredith's apartment when I come over. (laughs) Did you think it had something to do with your apartment? No, because I hadn't experienced anything before that. I thought maybe I was like, maybe moving to LA. Maybe I need to be like praying or reading my Bible more. I brought my
0: Bible back to like,
2: you know, my nightstand. My heart. Yeah.
0: You're too pure for this world. That's a nice way to put it. Like, Oh, no, I moved to LA (laughs) and now I'm being punished. (laughs) I just kind of thought.
2: Well, I've separated myself from like my spiritual roots, maybe, at least geographically.
0: So (laughs) So this is the fallout? (laughs) Maybe I need to. um.
2: Yeah. I didn't know what sleep paralysis was. This was a long, you know, it was a long time ago. But at the same time, I was like, this was probably just a nightmare that felt really real. Although I was dreaming that I was in my bed. I felt like I had woken up in my bed and I was so confused by it. And I didn't really look it up. I don't think I think I just like told my parents about it. They were like, it was a nightmare. Don't worry about it. This was a big move. Probably didn't realize how anxious you've been. And it just came out like that. And
0: I was like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and honestly, like if you were sleeping in a space that was relatively new, I think that could factor in. Like in the nighttime, you hear noises that are unfamiliar and your brain will do things.
2: Yeah. I think they do tell you, you know, if you're at all prone to sleep paralysis or anything like that, being in a new place, any change to your environment or sleeping on your back. I know. Is a risk factor. On your back
0: can definitely, I've heard that that can contribute to sleep paralysis. I think we talked about Mm -hmm. it before. And here, I'm just going to throw it out there. This is why it, you know, it doesn't make you lesser if you need to sleep with the lights on occasionally. (laughs) It's, it's. (laughs) Little PSA from Meredith. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be afraid. It's totally fine at any age. It is. I encourage it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh.
2: Let's play another story.
4: When I was about eight years old, I used to see an almost translucent little girl in the far right corner of my bedroom. I remember being startled the first time I saw her. She had dark brown eyes, Small, delicate facial features, a cute button nose, and tousled shoulder-length brown hair that seemed to cling to the side of her head and face. She had on dark clothes, and they seemed darker in the moonlight. She was always crouched with her knees pulled to her chest. I spoke to her through my dreams and asked her who she was and why she was here. She was not coherent, usually. She was hyperventilating or repeating, help me, I'm scared, help me, me. as if she were a broken record. Then one night, I noticed she was shivering. She looked at me. She told me she was stuck and cold. That morning, when I woke up, I walked over to the corner and the grey carpet was damp, as if someone had spilled water. The next night, when I went to sleep, she visited me again. This time, I asked her why the carpet was wet. She apologized, and said she couldn't help it, then kept shivering. I promised her I would help her, but I don't know what I thought I could do. The next day, my mom and I researched our area and found out that a farmer used to live there with his three daughters, 10 sons, and wife. The eldest daughter, who was eight years old, fell into the well at the back of the property. She drowned. So that night, when she appeared to me, I looked her in the eyes Her glazed brown eyes looked at me, terrified. I told her that I knew who she was. I said, I know who you are. You drowned, and that's why you're so cold, and why the carpet was damp. You're okay now, though. Many years have passed, and you're free to go. Be with your family and get warm. You are free. Thank you for existing in a way that allowed me to meet you. She smiled at me, stood up, and said thank you, before turning to walk through my outside-facing wall on the second floor. After that, she never appeared again.
2: I wonder if this girl knows my prairie girl. This ghost knows your ghost? Yeah. I wonder if they
0: uh, run in the same circles. They're both translucent. (laughs) Yeah, they both have like an Americana vibe. Mm Mm-hmm. For anyone that doesn't know the prairie thing we're referencing, it was from an earlier episode. April told a story where she literally saw like a girl in a prairie dress standing next to her bed. Terrifying story. Unfortunately, I don't remember which episode it was, but <laughs> just go back and listen from the beginning and you'll find it.
2: Yeah, just a little marathon.
0: This is my biggest fear for a ghost. It's like a ghost that can um, actually cause like structural damage to your home. I'm, like A mold issue? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a puddle on the ground i mean i Mm -hmm. guess my mind is like where's your air conditioning unit you know true like what's causing Mm -hmm. this puddle because you know but if it is the ghost then that's terrible because you can fix an air conditioning (laughs) unit i don't know how you fix the ghost problem besides i guess like setting it free like ghost busting yeah yeah, well, I mean, I think in many of these stories that we've heard and other stories I've heard on a bunch of podcasts, people will say like, you know, I saw a ghost and I had to like acknowledge the ghost and set the ghost free. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that if I ever acknowledge the ghost, that that would not lead to a path of freedom, right? I'd love to respond
2: to that, but there is a beeping outside. <laughs> okay, wait, I think it stopped. I feel the exact same way. This is always what I think about when I hear stories like this. When I see this trope in like movies, TV, whatever. In my mind, if there is a little ghost girl crying, especially if it's like in a corner and its back is turned to me and it's got its head in its hands, you know, and it's just crying. It's like, you get the hell out of there.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's hard to imagine it going any other way for me.
2: Yeah. I don't think I'll ever have the instinct to know whether the ghost just needs some kind words <laughs> or if it's like a demon who... um It's just trying to get me to contact it. That's a good point. It's just disguising itself as a
0: little girl because apparently they do that like Annabelle. It's a good point. How do you know the ghost is being authentic with you? Yeah, you have to have this, you have to establish trust first. I don't think I'm spending that much time on the relationship. (laughs) I'm going to be honest, but really proud of them. Really proud of them. Yeah. This was actually sent in from a listener named Katie W. Hey, Katie. Katie, just want to say- You are stronger than both April and I combined. Oh, for sure. I'm glad it worked out. Maybe if I actually did see a ghost one day, knock on laminate, (laughs) I, you know, would have the strength to talk to it and set it free. But I just feel like I'd probably sell my home. I know I keep saying that, but I think I'd just sell my home.
1: Yeah.
2: Maybe burn it down first? I don't know. You know, just... just uh, getting you
4: with
0: being a little pyro.
2: Listen, don't burn your why, houses down. Why are we burning just, down the house? You know, you could be transferring the spirit to the new owner.
0: I think you're looking for a loophole for, like, insurance fraud or something. I mean... <laughs> I've
3: been thinking about you, Janet, Thinking of you night
0: Would you look at that? It's ad time. Let's tune in to another story.
5: Before my husband and I got married, we rented a tiny townhouse built around the 70s. This story takes place around 2010, My husband is always working overnight and is the definition of a skeptic. So he can't and would never back me up on this. But when I think about it, I still get creeped out. So the townhouse we rented had a downstairs kitchen and a living room with stairs straight off the front door that led to the two rooms upstairs. Everything was very open. You could spin around in the living room and see almost every corner. From the moment we signed the lease, I got a bad feeling emanating from the top of the stairs. A friend came to visit once. They refused to stay in the house after driving 30 minutes to see me. She immediately had the feeling something was peeking at her from the spare room at the top of the stairs. She was pretty woo-woo and said it was evil. I laughed it off, but couldn't deny my own icky feelings about that room and the top of the staircase. If I tried to watch TV in the living room, I would often feel someone looking at me from the stairs. To go to bed at night, I would run up the stairs and across the hall as fast as possible. One last very weird feature of the townhouse was that there was a cutout ledge in our bedroom wall that, you guessed it, opened straight to a view of that icky spot on the stairs. You could look down into the living room and the front door from there. So, the experience. I was asleep one night and awoke to a quick, super bright flash of light coming from our closet. I thought it was a power surge and expected the closet bulb to be burnt out, but then it turned on by itself at regular brightness. At that point, I was creeped out. I decided to get up and just turn it off and go back to sleep. I was trying hard not to look out over the ledge in the wall. I could feel something coming from the stairs. As I tried to gather myself and sit up, I heard a click. The downstairs TV turned on. My heart started pounding, and I just froze. Then, the volume started increasing on the TV, like someone was just holding down the button. In a matter of seconds, it was blaring loud. I speedwalked to flip off the closet light. Then I rushed down the hall, down the stairs. I grabbed the remote to turn the TV off and bolted as fast as I could back to bed. Nothing I can think of explains it. Nothing else that dramatic ever happened there again, but sometimes I would feel the bed compress, like someone was sitting down on it. I haven't had that feeling anywhere else I've slept. Just spooky.
0: Okay, so actually I think amongst the kinds of stories we listen to, Mm -hmm. this one is actually more along the lines of my worst nightmare. How so? Like the TV turning on and like increasing the volume in the middle of the night, lights turning on and off, in a way, I guess I find that things like that have kind of happened to me but never with regularity and never when I was like totally alone or something. So if I was new to a space and that was happening, it would really freak me out. Mm -hmm. And also because, you know, sure, is it supernatural? Is it otherworldly? Is it a ghost? And then there's also, is there someone in my house? Yeah. That freaks me out a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That possibility.
2: I think- you enjoy when it's like the most grounded version of something sort of unexplained or paranormal. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Also funny that you use the word enjoy. <laughs> I entertain. <laughs> or you
2: respond to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You did just say it was your worst nightmare. And I was like, what fun. <laughs> it, it gets
0: me going. It gets me going. Yeah. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. I definitely respond to stories like this.
2: Yeah. It's just dipping its toe in the paranormal, a little unexplained, you know? Ooh, a little spookiness. But then there's like
0: very tangible things going on. Yes, it's so tangible. Like even if it's just bad wiring, it's scary to me. It doesn't even matter if it's just bad (laughs) wiring. Bad wiring is maybe the scariest of all. Hey, that's a safety risk. Fire. No, but truly like the being able to happen in the middle of the night when I'm alone, like I can't control it. Mm Oh, that would just set me on edge. I'm not really afraid that I'm going to have like a lot of sleep paralysis in my life. Like, I haven't really had much. So, those stories or stories that seem like they could be that, I think they hit you harder. And stories like this, they hit me harder.
2: I think that kind of lines up with our respective worst fears, though. So, when we started the podcast, we put like a few fun facts about each of us on the website. And one of them was our worst fears yours was sharks, (laughs) and mine was
0: failure. (laughs) and that is true though you fear failure and i fear sharks
2: yeah my fears are not external it's
0: like anxious what ifs existential dread (laughs) mine's like big teeth physical harm (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i'm very um tangible
2: yeah more tangible more grounded in a lot of ways more realistic
0: Is it realistic? Failure is definitely a higher, (laughs) you know, has a higher percentage of happening. Sharks is a pretty low percentage of happening for me. I don't surf. (laughs) I'm not likely to have a shark issue. I'm so glad you're saying it out loud finally. Look, I know it's irrational. (laughs) I know it's irrational, but it's not zero. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Maybe I'll just take up surfing to prove you wrong.
2: You're going to take up surfing solely to get attacked by a shark and prove me
0: wrong and it will be worth it (laughs) you would do that (laughs) (laughs) just to prove a point Rattled and Shook is a Tenderfoot TV production in partnership with Odyssey executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay co-executive producer is Meredith Stedman hosted and produced by April Ruha and Meredith Stedman lead editor and sound designer is April Ruha additional production by Sean Nerney Production management by Tracy Kaplan and Jordan Foxworthy. Original score by Makeup and Vanity Set. Original art by Puppy Teeth. Follow us on social media at Rattled and Shook.